Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now, our title sponsor, brought to you by Digitex. We'll tell you the guests on the show uh, get hooked up at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated open from Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. We are joined at this time by Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec from Horse Racing Alberta. Presenting live racing Friday and Sunday evening. Spectators limited at this time, but you can go online at hpibet.com to watch and wager. Spec, how was your weekend? Oh, it was a pretty good weekend, Bobby. A little bit of hockey, a little bit of relaxation. You know, I tell you what, I, I missed, uh, I was thinking back, I'm not sure there's been a Monday in my life when I didn't watch the Eskimos play in Calgary, at least part of that game. And uh, that was a big hole in our Monday, don't you think? Yeah, we we hit on that briefly in the first half hour, Mark. I mean, I can remember living on the acreage as a kid out in the county of Strathcona near Fultonvale, and I'd have Halsey on. Uh, and, you know, I had four sisters, and they weren't into sports. And so I'd, I'd, I had a little Nerf football, and I'd map out the plays as he was doing the play-by-play of the game on radio. And then, of course, uh, <laughs> as, as I got to be a, a, a bigger uh football fan i'd be you know i watched the game so absolutely i feel for guys like uh, morley scott and dave campbell that love the cfl and uh and reed wilkins and we got a lot of great fans of the team as well so it kind of it kind of sucked i mean it was just mark it was weird uh being in the building last night to watch a very impressive tampa bay team play it, it's like the whole world's upside down you know it, you drive downtown and it's just Deadsville downtown, uh, and I know they've got everything sheltered off and everything. It's it's just we're we're just going through an incredibly difficult and challenging time right now, and uh, and then we were watching game one of we don't have the Labor Day Classic, but we got game one of the Eastern Conference Final. I mean, if there's if that doesn't just say 2020, I don't know what does. Yeah, no, you got it, man. It's it is unfolding in as strange a way as you thought. You're right. I'm watching the Islanders, and I didn't go to the game last night. I'll be there tonight. Uh, and it is strange, you know. We both covered lots of road games, and I know fans always say when they go to a road game, they go, "Man, it's kind of weird watching the Oilers in their whites." And it is, you know. It's always gives you that sort of notion that, hey, man, we're we're somewhere else, we're on the road. But you get used to that after a while. But I cannot say that I am used to going to Rogers and watching uh, Vegas play Dallas. Uh, that's going to take some getting used to. Well, and, and you know, look, <laughs> I mean, full disclosure here, Jack and me, like all the other regional broadcasters for radio or TV, we're not allowed in the building to call the team's games. And uh, the the television viewing that the fans get is a better experience than watching the game from where we're at in the building. Uh, there's there's no other way to say it. I mean, it just... No question. No question. Right? So, uh, that, I mean, the only thing that's kind of unique about it is you can hear the chirping and the yapping that's going on. 
Uh, you know, last night, 3-1 game, and Ross Johnson tries to get Luke Shen to fight. And Luke Shen's not taking that fight with his team up by two, and he shouldn't be taking a fight with Ross Johnson because uh, that's a fight that maybe only Pat Maroon can take on, on the Lightning. And as Johnson's skating by the Lightning bench, they're yapping at him, you got to be able to play too, big boy. You know, like they're giving it to him pretty good, right? But right. that's the only kind of, like, it, it you know, like I'm going to be honest with you, and, and part of it is, you know, my wife and daughter love hockey, so I'm going to be watching the game at home tonight. And I'm in a I'm in a fantasy football draft as well tonight, uh, spec. But it just it's just different. Now let's get to Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously, at this stage, is it safe to say they're the prohibitive favorites? Yeah, the way they're going, you know, the way they're going. Uh, yes, I would say they are the favorites. I might have said Vegas a little while ago, but uh, that Vegas team's cooled off. Might just be a spell, Bob. They might get it back. You know, they might get it back. But they're three and four in their last seven. Uh, their their offense has dried up a little bit, and let's see what happens. She's a long road here. I get it, but if you're you know if you're telling me to make a pick right now, this moment, which team looks best among the last four? It's you know Tampa team. They've been at knocking at the door, right? You know we always like those teams that that have been there and been there and failed and failed, and you know their numbers coming up here one of these days. That organization is too good to continue they would they get to one cup against chicago and that's the only cup they've been in since all four against calgary they're due they're ready and they're good and they're experienced and uh hey maybe this is a year well and they had an epiphany last year too mark let's not forget that they got swept in four straight games by the columbus blue jackets just as an aside because brayden point's been wonderful uh do you know how many points in that four-game sweep job by Columbus, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and Steven Stamkos combined for in a uh, four, less than five <laughs> five points combined between you know three of the top ten scores in the NHL last year. How much right. critis- how much criticism did those guys get? Oh, I assume you know what probably plenty, right? They're the the guts and the offense and the engine of that team. So anytime you go four straight, uh, generally speaking, the best players take the most heat. So uh, I wasn't writing that series, Bob. I don't recall yeah. you know what's happened in Tampa in their media. I think I was busy writing something else, but. You know what? The heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? When you're the leader and your team loses, you don't wear it. Well, what's interesting is what did they do in the what did they do over the course of the last you know nine months, uh, starting with signing Patrick Maroon. So they signed Maroon, and then they traded for both Coleman uh, and the guy from San Jose, the centerman Barkley Goodrow. Like yeah. they, they 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 improved their depth. It is. Right? And change the dynamic. I mean, this team's so good right now that they don't even have Stamkos. Right? Like, that's how good this team is. They're so good right now that they got a guy like Matthew Joseph who spent the entire season with the team the year before, and they made those additions and sent Joseph back to the minors. That's how deep the team is. Like, it's, yeah. you know, and but they recognized that part of the challenge, as good as Tampa was, Mark, is they didn't have the right sort of support players because their guys got completely shut down. And for the record, I don't believe they got that much criticism, their top-end guys, for what happened there. You know, hmm. Columbus, like, and it's different when you're in Canada. Oh, it's 
different when you're playing for Tampa. Let's face it, there's about three reporters. Um, so, you know, the level of criticism, you can't make a, a comparison there. But I thought with Julian Breesbaugh, the smartest thing he did was, and he, he publicly debriefed on that series, right, the GM of Tampa. And he really said, you know, he had the sort of the courage to come out and say, I looked at this thing a hundred times over. I'm not rebuilding my team because of this. You know, we got a good team, we had a bad week, and we got to figure out why and what went wrong. But I'm not panicking, and I'm not making a bunch of big trades and big moves and rebuilding this thing. We have a good team, and I'm sticking by it. And what did he do? Like you point out, Bobby went out and he improved his depth, and he made a couple of smart moves and signings. And I mean, Coleman's such a good player. I loved him in uh, Jersey. Uh, good for Julian Breesbaugh. Did a hell of a job and, and didn't panic, right? didn't hit the panic button he's got a real good team now could you imagine your three best players combining for five points in four games when you finished with 60 wins during the regular season and you were the prohibitive overwhelming favorite everybody thought you had a deep enough team to win that's crazy as opposed to say coming back from a pandemic mark and uh and having your three top players combining for 23 points in four games and losing the series and having a shot map that suggests that you probably should have scored six more goals in the final three games and given up three fewer. Like, it just shows you the, the frailty and the nature of the sport. There's there's a luck factor that comes in place. Oh, by the way, uh, Tampa Bay had Andre Vasilevsky in goal. A you know, Vesna Trophy candidate literally every year. They didn't have two guys that would be considered 1B goalie, 16 through 30 of the NHL. It's just interesting because I think it puts things into perspective with the challenges that Edmonton has because I don't think, Mark, anybody in their right mind would suggest the Oilers are close to being deep enough. Would you agree on that? No, no question. No yeah. question. They're not deep enough. No one in their right mind would say they need to move out their top two sentiment, right? You know, this is morphing into your your daily um, protection of uh, McDavid and Drysaddle, who can do no wrong. And uh, no one would say that the Oilers are going to do better in their first two sentiment slots than Drysaddle and McDavid. You'd be an idiot to say we should move those guys. You should trade them. You have to improve upon them. That's clearly not the case. But you could also watch that series and say that in the third period of the two really important games, right? Edmonton gets crushed in game one. They crush him in game two. It's game three and four where that was decided. And it was game three and four. I believe it was 2-2 after the second period, maybe 3-2 in the game, uh, game three for Edmonton. But they were the two third periods is where that whole series was decided. And in those two third periods, the best sentiment on the ice wasn't wearing an order's uniform. So... What I would say to you, Bob, is you've got two fabulous future Hall of Fame sentiment in the top two scorers in the league. I would also say to you that when the game's on the line, they weren't good enough. Yeah, I, I, w I would perhaps look at it a little bit differently, Mark. Well, Taves like, was, was better, Bob. Taves was better. Right? Taves, Taves, better. Taves had, Mark, Taves had moments where he turned pucks over. And, but he was, and was better when it counted. And that's why Chicago won. In the end, they won those two periods. It's not why they won the whole series, Bob. It's not why they won the whole series. There's a lot of factors in the series. But they won those two third periods on the back of 19 white. Mark, because right? he was the best if on the ice. If Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl combined just the two of them for five points in four games against Chicago, the vitriol directed against them 
from the fans would be greatly enhanced. There were missed opportunities early in uh, both games three and games four. The Oilers, in terms of the actual legitimate grade-A scoring opportunities, outchanced them. The game-winning goal scored. Leon blew the assignment. He, he went to Taze. He didn't need to go to Taze in game four. However, Koskinen, and it was a good shot by Kubelik, but that is a save Koskinen should make. All right? Mm. Getting beat high, getting beat high like that from that angle bad goal against sorry and the other bad goal that Costin only had two bad goals against by my books and the other one was on a five on three and often i give goalies a free pass on that but he's he was swimming on that five on three so this is this is the conversation like the narrative out there that they won't win unless their two top players learn how to win i would suggest to you mark that the oilers they've got to continue to build and grow the organization's depth out because it's not basketball you, your two top guys can't play as much as the Oilers tried this year playing their two top players 44 minutes a game between the two of them. They're going to have to, and, and and what's happened here, and I work for the club, Mark, but the Oilers have squandered assets that could have could have been, uh, you know, players. They made it, they've made some moves and they've squandered assets that, well that that would have allowed them to have had greater depth. And sure. how do you so how do you get that depth moving forward? That's that's part of, but I, I I tell you, again, if if McDavid and Drysaddle were unproductive offensively in that series, I'd say all right, it's more justifiable to, to to hammer them, but to sit there and pick apart a mistake when they when they contributed to the level that they did offensively, like if they again if they put up five points like point uh, Kucherov point Stamkos like three of the 20 best players in the world maybe right now two of the five best players in the world or two of the then then I think it's it, you know what it's it's a fair argument to say well those guys got to be better but it's a tougher argument for me to see it and I, I saw it today I saw Scott Burnside write it on Athletic and the first thing he mentioned is Edmonton will not win until those two guys learn how to and I, I see that narrative it's just like when Hall was here spec. it was like oh, you know, Hall's not good enough for six years he was the only plus player five on five on the entire damn team it's not I got news for you it's the guys that are going minus 35 on five during a four or five year run not the guy that in true five on five situations is a plus player and tilts the ice that's that's my own perception mark give it back to me have at her <laughs> I mean 90 percent of what you say is right the goaltender is not good enough they're not deep enough the there's no no one here is saying that the, the Oilers are such a great team and the only reason they lose is because of you know, their top guys defensively. No one's saying that. That's ridiculous. They're not half their team barely showed up for that series. And the narrative on the you know, the column we keep going back to is the one I wrote. And the narrative was flipped by Oilers fans. There's about the fourth graphics is I'm not blaming this series loss on McDavid and Drysaddle. But everyone left that out and said, Look, Speck blames a series loss on McDavid and Drysaddle. So you know, you're gonna have to read a little more clearly to start with people out there, but that's fine. I get how it works. But my point is this. You've got to build a good team. You've got to get better goaltending. You need more depth. You need all that stuff, okay? But let's, let's fast forward to a, to a time when they have a good team and we're playing the third period of crucial playoff games against another real good team, and you know who's on the ice for two-thirds or better of the time, right, for the Oilers. It's going to be either 97 or it's going to be either 29 playing center ice in the third period of a tied game 
in the playoffs. That's how it's going to be down the road. Let's hope it's in a Stanley Cup final, Bob. But those guys are on the ice. Those guys are given the ball to carry. And if they get their asses kicked by Jonathan Tays the way they did in that last round, they will not win. That's not saying the goaltending is good enough. That's not saying the management's good. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm saying those guys carry the ball. And if some other guy on another team is better when the chips are down, they will not win. And that's a fact. 1250 in Edmonton. A quick text comes in. Bob, did you watch Last Dance? I didn't realize people used to say you couldn't win with Michael Jordan. No different than here. It's an interesting perspective. Hey, there were people... Who's saying you can't win with McDavid? Has anyone said that? Who would say that? That's Who's saying just, you can't win with McDavid? Just just reading the text. That's all I'm... I guess what the text are saying is sometimes it takes time. It takes lessons. We've it talked, takes Mark. time. And, and Jonathan Tate taught him a lesson. It's exactly... He's right. It does take time. And it does take lessons. And I guarantee you, they learn from that lesson, they'll be better. But in order for the team to be better... They have to build a better team. And we'll talk about that starting with the number one area of priority for the Oilers. 1251 in Edmonton. Stoffer Inspector having some fun for the horses and horse racing Alberta on Oilers Now. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 1253, Brad texts the show to say, Tell Spec, Jonathan Tays kicked Ethan Bear's butt. Not the ass of McDavid or Drysaddle from Brad. I, well, when it came to Bear and Nurse, I think what happened here is Clefbaum and Larson struggled so much. Uh, then Larson couldn't play. The Nurse and Bear had to play more. And Bear looked like a rookie towards the end of that series. And that happens once in a while, especially in guys' first-time experience uh, in the playoffs. Spec, let's, uh, let's get going here. And we've talked a bit about this. Um, but in terms of area of priority for the Oilers, they don't have a lot of cap space. If they can't move money out, where should they spend their money? Well, it's a, there's two questions there. You got you'd like to move some money out so you have some better options for one. Uh, their issue for Ken Holland is moving out money. Like let's say you're trying to trade Chris Russell, usually got to include draft picks, and you can't afford to do that. They don't have enough draft picks left. So, you know, let's pretend like they can't really afford to. They won't move a lot of cap space out because it's going to be difficult. And to me, Bob, I think that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't love a lot of things they have. I think they can find the goalie to play with Koskinen without spending a ton of money. I think they can do that without breaking the bank. I think there's either a trade there with Pittsburgh or there is a, you know, there's enough free agent guys out there. I think you can do it without eating into your cap room. Mark? Uh, the, what do you think? I would not. Uh, Matt Murray has horrendous. Uh, nope. You know, he first of all, everybody should be aware. He's going to win his arbitration case. He's probably going to get five and a half to $6 million in ARP. Okay? Well, if he's making that much money, you he's, probably don't want him, Bob. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a name. Darcy Camper. I believe sure. that the, I believe sure. the Arizona Coyotes. We've talked about them over the years. We both feel this is one where we actually agree on something. You and me both. We both have the same feeling about Arizona. They have been protected more than any other organization in NHL history over the course of the last decade. They have basically taken between twenty to thirty million dollars a year in revenue sharing over the course of the last uh, ten to like ten years. It's unbelievable. They're, they've never gotten any traction. It sounds now like they're going to be moving off a lot of assets. Camper's a hell of a goalie the last couple of years. Um, 
I wouldn't do this, but would you? Would you trade the 14 overall for Darcy Camper? Uh, that's a good question. I'd sure think long and hard about it. You know that? I'd think a long time about that trade, Bob. I'm always afraid to trade a first-round pick, but this organization's got to get going here. You know, you've never heard me come on the show and endorse trading a first-round pick in the last, ever since you and me have worked together. I don't believe in it. Yeah. But this is a goalie who's, now, I know he plays for Arizona, and it's all defense all the time down there. But uh, Darcy Kemper's got the best goals against and the best save percentage in the National Hockey League in the last two years. I found that out in the playoffs this year. I couldn't believe it. His numbers are not just up there, Bob. They're the best numbers in the National Hockey League among starting goalies. So, yeah, he plays in Arizona. They play defense all the time. I get all that. But this is a number one top-flight goalie that the Oilers could get their hands on. And I would look long and hard at that number one pick. I'll tell you what. It's time in Edmonton. they got to get something done here. You get Kemper. you got a guy signed for two more years at four and a half. You can afford him. And uh, you've got an A, an absolute A goalie here in Edmonton for the next two years. Uh, 925, 928 save percentage the last two years. Mitch has texted the show and our Ashley Fine Flores text line. Bob, don't trade the number 14 for Kemper. Trade yes to Poliarvi. I don't believe that would get it done. Do you spec? Not a chance. But it could be a yes to Poliarvi and some other stuff trade. Yeah, well, they'd have to take... You trade a, a guy that is an approved NHLer for the <laughs> one of the best goalies in the league. You're dreaming. Yeah, no, and, and again, <laughs> I, but it's... I, 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 I want, you know, we've talked about drafting and development for so long, Mark. Like, go, dating back to the infancy of the days of total sports in two, the September of 2003. It is a two-part scenario. You're not just... Yes, you draft them, but you've also got to be able to develop the players as well. Yeah. Goaltending's a position, like we have people that think the Oilers should draft the Russian kid Askarov, the goaltender at 14. I, I personally would be very leery on that myself. I mean, I just because you see not every goaltender is like Vasilevsky that pans out. Mind you, it needs to be stated, Vasilevsky and Shostorkin, the, the guy with the Rangers, there's two pretty good Russian goaltenders that have, you know, sort of, and they're bigger guys, but... Uh, what's your feeling about drafting a goalie at 14, Mark? Well, I'll tell you this. If if I'm the Edmonton Oilers and I want to draft a goalie at 14, I'd trade that pick for a right-now goalie in a heartbeat. Right? Give me a goalie that I know is good because goalies, as you say, are, they're so difficult to draft and develop. It's a crapshoot. You know, you can – and even if it's not a crapshoot, Bob, it's a four- or five-year plan when you draft a goalie. You know, find me how many goalies play at 20-21. So few, right? Yeah. So this team needs help now. I'm not waiting around for a goalie. I'm just, they can't wait for a goalie, Bob. They need a goalie here. And Koskinen's okay, and that's not good enough. So, you know what? Whatever it takes to get Kemper, think it through. I'll say this, unfortunately for Ken Holland, he's kind of left himself a little tough spot because he dealt those two second-rounders for Aftinasu. Athanasiu, and it's not going good. And he, yeah. he's, he's been depleted. He lost the third-round pick to Calgary. You know, it's awfully hard when you don't pick till the fourth round. I think they don't pick till the first and fourth. Is that right this year? Uh, well, yeah. No, I think they'll use the third this year. Because they have the, the they, they have the yeah. option on the third, and I, I believe they'll be using the third this year. Okay. But 
they don't to, to lose your first in this scenario where they've already given up a bunch of picks for not much, right? Two yep. for a fantasy for nothing or for very little, and one for Neil for very little. Uh, it's awful tough to give the other one up, but Darcy Kemper might be a game changer. Well, yeah, and we'll get to we'll get to Neil. Uh, we're going to talk Pulleyarby. We'll talk a bit about Athanasio as well when we come back. Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing in Alberta. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad.